Hey, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mario Candelaria, writer of comics such as Ashes and Epilogue, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. In a movie where there are far more than two towers, it's the two towers, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. It's Thinking Outside the Long Box. Halfling smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> Is it weed or is it tobacco? I'm pretty sure it's weed. You think? Yes. <laughs> kind of feels like tobacco. I definitely, it's 100% weed. They make comments about it left and right. You even watch these movies? I think the halfling's weed has, I think the halfling's weed has like stunted your mind. Like, they literally talk about it left and right. <laughs> like, this is marijuana. So we are talking about, for this episode of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It's the 2002 epic fantasy film adventure directed by Peter Jackson from a screen from by Fran Walsh, Philippa Bowens, Stephen Sinclair, and Jackson, based on the 1954's The Two Towers. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote them, uh, and it includes Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rice davies Bernard Hill, Christopher Lee, Billy Boyd, Dominic Manahan, Orlando Bloom, Hugo Weaving, Miranda Otto, David Wenham, Brad Dourif, Carl Urban, and Andy Serkis. I only read them all over again because there are additional big names who add their names to this cast. So... <laughs> Towers, 85 actors. (laughs) There are a lot of actors in this movie. So this follows directly after the first one ends with Aragorn and uh, Legolas and Gimli searching for Merry and Pippin. And um, uh, what's his name? Frodo and Sam are off to destroy the ring on their own adventures until they find... find, uh, What's his name? Gollum. Yeah. Because they were lost. And he helps them go to Mount Doom and then find, tells them that there's another way. Essentially, is this whole movie for them. Yeah. In this movie, Aragorn, Viggo Mortensen, breaks his toe in real life. He kicks the helmet and the guttural sounds that you hear from him are because he knows that he hurt his fucking foot and they kept it in the movie. I thought that was pretty cool. This might be my favorite of the three. I don't know anyone who this is not their favorite of yeah. the three. It's the best movie. It's the one that's not filled with like, I don't know why they did that. Or like... <laughs> Was, uh, it's, it still has those moments. <laughs> very few. Most of this movie makes a lot of sense, I yeah. think. Besides the trusting of Schmeagol, I don't understand why that was ever a thing. Again, it worked. He tried to kill him, but it worked. <laughs> all of the decisions seem rash, but they're all a means to an end that ended the way it was supposed to end. In the words of uh, Agent Smith, well, let's point that. That's let's talk about that really quick. He doesn't. Elrond, uh, uh, what's it? Hugo Weaving. He doesn't play like a giant role in all of these movies. But he was doing five movies all at the same time. He was doing all three of these movies and two Matrix movies all at the fucking same time, which is pretty crazy for somebody who generally, as an actor, you hear a lot about, like, I can only do this project. I'm not taking on another project. But this fucker was doing giant five really big movies all at the same time. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from winerism, but... Winerism? What does that mean? Oh, you mean the people whining that they don't want to do more work? Is that what you mean? I think actors in general are just like the way that they come across. I'm not saying all of them, but the way that they come across in like their interviews, they just sound like wine rabies most of the time. They're like, I got to wake up at five in the morning and put on shit. I'm like, dude, everybody does shit. 
now everybody gets paid $20 million. <laughs> that, I thought it was cool. Like, these came out every year for three years, and the, so did the Matrix ones for those last two, I believe. So, I mean, it's not like he had a ton of time in between. I thought that was pretty cool when I learned that. Uh, he was doing every single one of them. It's about budgeting your time. I'm sure there are projects where you can't do more than one. Like, it would have been very hard, I'm sure, for, like, Elijah Wood to do multiple movies at one time because he's, like, he's the main, he's the main he's character. The main movie, yeah. But there's lots of actors you see like that who are, like, only in parts, and I'm sure they could do multiple projects if they wanted to, but they don't want to. And that's fine, too, but it's just, like, the way that, I'm just saying, the way interviews go, it just always makes people sound, like, ridiculous, like... I don't. No one from Hollywood listens to these. But if you're a professional athlete or a Hollywood actor, leave all bitching at the door in an interview because, like, you are an incredibly lucky individual. I'm not saying you didn't work to get where you're at. I'm just saying lots of people work to get where they're at, and lots of people make medium incomes. Like, like you are a gifted individual. It is true. You are talented. It is true. You've earned it. It's true. Nobody gives a shit that you had to sit in a fucking makeup chair for two hours before your movie <laughs> on like, that note <laughs> well that's that's like that's why most actors get up there and bitch about how they can only do like one project at a time or i had to leave this project go to this other project when in reality you probably didn't <laughs> like what's her name from walking dead that place uh Lori? no no Corey died um maggie maggie like at that time she wasn't featured even in every episode. Like you could have probably done lots of things and just, you just wanted to. And that's cool too. But it's just like the bitching comes across as silly. <laughs> that's why I'm saying like, do I what you want. Don't bitch. Yeah. That's why I'm saying. I don't think you heard anything about it. Cause he's probably just a dude that understands that. He's like, <laughs> I think he was, I don't, I don't know very much about Hugo Weaving's career, but I think he was pretty famous before these movies too. Yeah. He was, uh, I don't, this didn't make him. I just thought it was a cool feat. Like I was, I was like, yeah, he's not in every scene, but I, but five movies, that seems like a lot of fucking work. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't realize it, 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 until I was older that Aylmer was Carl Urban. Like I, Carl Urban generally comes off as a musclehead and just a dude, a huge dude, and everything that I've seen him in recently. And I, I mean, he's a soldier in this movie, so he's still pretty fucking cool. But I was like, that doesn't look anything like Carl Urban to me. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, we we find out that Gandalf was fighting the Balrog. He fucking follows him down the pit and they end up finding their way to a mountain and he ends up killing the... So where does there snow on top of the mountain in the middle of the earth? <laughs> Is there like a whole other earth inside the earth? Oh, we didn't even talk about in the last movie how Gandalf and Sauron fought. <laughs> we didn't even talk about any of that relationship. There's so much in these movies to talk about. Um, but yeah, they didn't I, really fight. They kind of like waved sticks at each other and spun around. Yeah, well, I mean, Sauron kicked his ass with magic and then flew him up to the fucking top of the. It seemed pretty equal till the very end of the fight. Sauron was getting tossed around too. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I, I don't think it was a one-sided ass woman. He just lost. <laughs> but uh, so we know that Sauron's corrupt at this point. Gandalf kills the Balrog. And in the middle of that, he essentially falls to his death as well. Yes. Um, but he was sent there from the one god in this in this whole universe, I think is what it seems, to to for a purpose. Um, the purpose was to be better and to essentially help the the middle or the human race is what it sounded like. Um, and that's what Sauron was supposed to be. That's why he was the white. He was Sauron the white. 
Um, whereas Gandalf, it sounds like was was also supposed to help, but he was supposed to help in like a hey on an individual basis, like hey, yeah, you should go do this. It's going to make you a better person or whatever. Um, so essentially, Gandalf kind of gets promoted after he dies to Gandalf the White, and he doesn't really remember his whole life uh, uh, up to that point. It kind of felt like seemed like it'll. A small amount of amnesia. Right. He got it all back pretty quick. <laughs> After uh, Vigo, we didn't uh, know that Gandalf was a Saiyan, and every time he gets <laughs> he gets beat up, he comes back better. After Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli find the corpses of the Urukai that Eomor has essentially demolished at this point, because he's been kicked out of the kingdom um, b- by Theoden, uh, who's being possessed by Sauron and Wormtongue by Grima Wormtongue. It's another really weird decision by Tolkien to me. Well, let's get there. Let's get there. We are there. Are we, are we there? All right. We're, we're... Like, how did a guy ever let a dude named Wormtongue into his council to get? Well, he was. I mean, he wasn't. I don't know that he was. Ne- he was a. He was a. He was a, a. A soldier of Rohan. He wasn't like in there. He didn't have to be let in. I don't remember. He was just I there. I don't remember the books that closely, but in the movies. He clearly was not a soldier. Not anymore. Yeah, yeah. He was some kind of like counselor. You you hear it at the very beginning of the of the if you watch the extended cut of the beginning of the next movie when they see Sauron up there when his when uh, um shit what's his place called now that I cannot remember it. God dang it. Uh, where he lives on his tower. Fuck, I can't remember that place. But when it's been flooded by the Ents, Theoden tries to tell Grima, like, you you were a soldier of mine. You used to be an honorable man of Rohan. I remember him saying honorable man. I don't remember him saying soldier. Yeah, at that point, I think that all he did was kind of sneak his way in, and then once Theoden was corrupted, I I just don't think he had any power to stop it. It just seems like it might have been obvious he was a bad guy with his name like Wormtongue. I don't think that that was his real name. I could be wrong. I don't think that that was his real name. Call him that. I could be. Well, yeah. I think that's what they know him of as now, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know if that's his real, his character's real name. Um, but he, he's essentially corrupted him. Um, they find the the Uruks that Aramor has essentially destroyed and fucking killed, and so they think that Pippin and Merry were killed in the fight. Aragorn apparently is a master tracker at this point, so he tracks them all the way to Fangorn Forest um, when they <clears throat> where they enter. The night before, Merry and Pippin are are led in there after the attack that Aramor brought, and that's where they run into their an end. Um, essentially, they didn't know. They've, they'd heard tales of ants or of moving trees, I think they call them. Um, but that was the first time that we were introduced to ants as, a, as an audience as well. Um, and they're led off to the White Wizard, who we all assume is Sauron at this point, unless you've read the books, of course. Yeah. Um, but they, that's kind of their thing. Um, and Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn follow into Fangorn Forest to try and find them where they meet. Again, the White Wizard, with a little bit of trickery, voice manipulation, sounds like Sauron for a little bit, and then you find out that it's a, it's a, it's Gandalf. Oh, I thought I always thought that was weird that they did that, but what did you say? Spoiler, spoiler from two thousand two. <laughs> I always thought that that was weird that they started out with Sauron's voice and then turned it into Gandalf's voice. I was like, Why would he sound like Sauron? Not Sauron. <laughs> Not Sauron, Saruman. Saruman's voice. Yeah. <laughs> I said Sauron too. Yeah. Saruman. But like, I remember thinking that when I first watched it. I remember thinking that when I watched it again, and I was just like, "Why did they do that?" 
That was supposed to fool us, but if it was, like, it was a five-second fool. Right. I was like, gotcha. Not really Sauron. Just kidding. Why are Sauron and Sauron's name so similar? They were clearly in codes from the beginning. <laughs> so. That's the most confusing thing about following these movies is you're like, which motherfucker is Sauron? <laughs> we never actually see Sauron either. Sauron? Sauron. No, oh, you, you. I mean, you do. Just you see him little... at the beginning. Yeah. You never... Also, Sauron was never a giant fiery eye. Why was he a giant? Sauron fiery was fiery guy. No, a giant fiery eyeball. Oh no! So there. I, I just think that that's the easiest way to depict how his spirit is still there because this, that's what happened. He got his hand chopped off in in the battle, and then his spirit left, but he was still alive. It's just he wasn't in form anymore. And I think that might be the easiest way because in he's not in in form again until the Return of the King in the books, yeah. Which you don't ever see in the movies. He's which, always just the eye. I always thought it was weird. <laughs> it's like why was he an eyeball for so long? Uh, yeah, Isengard is the fucking place where goddamn Saruman lives. I couldn't think of that for the life of me. Um, they after they find Gandalf's alive, they go to uh, where King the King Theoden is because they're like what the fuck's going on he just kicked his family out of this castle his kingdom and they essentially drive Saruman out of King Theoden and it's the first time he's been kind of awake it seems like in years so yeah warm tongue and they kick his ass out too (laughs) Theoden was gonna kill him they didn't turns out probably should (laughs) have because later when they need to speak to Saruman (laughs) He kills him too. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the big battle, the big, the big action here is the battle at Helm's Deep. I mean, there's a lot of exposition here. You learn about a little bit more about Gollum. You you see the they're still making their traverse through the marshes and all the shit that's happening there. I don't think anything real exciting happens with them. Um, I, you, I mean, except for towards the end of the movie where Gollum and Smeagol happened to kind of split um but i don't yeah i think their tale is mostly just traversing the wild and figuring out what the fuck's going on and oh my god they're gonna run out of food and you know all of that kind of stuff they get kidnapped by the one guy too does that happen in this? it does happen in yeah. this movie by uh he lets them go at the end of this movie yeah yeah, yeah. by uh boromir's brother uh faramir <sighs> there's a lot of fucking names i gotta remember <laughs> sad <laughs> sad ramirez he ends up being a really good, a, a good uh, soldier in the end. He's a good soldier at the beginning. It's just <laughs> he ends up being happy though. His dad hates. <laughs> his dad's an idiot, and he's always trying to win his dad's affection by. <laughs> you do learn a little bit more about Faramir and Boromir's relationship with their father too in this a little bit. But I, I mean, obviously, the big, the big thing here is what's going on with the Ents, even though that takes forever. And uh, actually, it wasn't really that good of a soldier when you think about it. Because, like, basically, he's just constantly leading bunches of men to their deaths, trying to win the affection of his father. <laughs> well, but I mean, the so the so when Boromir comes back with Faramir, he the, they had just won the battle together. He tried to give Faramir credit, and his dad was like, "There's no way he could never have won." <laughs> like, it's he was a good soldier, maybe not a very good human being, and his actions may have been led by something else. But he, it sounded like he was a pretty good leader. I should have snuffed out your dad at some point <laughs> your dad is clearly a psychopath wow um the dad is clearly insane he's weird well i mean he's 
we'll get to it in, lo- in the Return of the King. When what? one of like when one of five wizards shows up at your doorstep and is like, "We need your help," and he's like, "No, <laughs> I will lead us into destruction." Uh, yeah, but I, again, I I think Helm's Deep is probably the big mainstay here. Yeah. Gandalf goes off to find Eomir after Theoden has emptied out his kingdom to go to Helm's Deep because he knows that they're coming to attack him, and so he thinks Helm's Deep is the safest place for his people. Yeah. So they go to Helm's Deep, and Gandalf is gone because he's going to go find Eomir in hopes that he can bring that whole battalion back now that Theoden has been freed. Um, but that's the biggest thing. The the for me, one of the coolest moments in this is how they're coming back, and be and telling the story of like there used to be an alliance and a truce between human and elves, and they'd come to honor that alliance. And I thought that was really cool. It didn't happen in the books. Um, that was not a thing because everybody was scattered, and it would have taken too long. It didn't happen in the books, but for the movie, I thought that was a really really cool moment, and it sets up. Uh, what 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 would they say? Spoiler alert! It sets up Halder's death later in the battle, and I thought that was really cool. So, and I mean, the whole battle is pretty pretty sick. Yeah, it's it, again, it's the first time. It doesn't make sense, but it's sick. <laughs> Why doesn't it make sense? Because the whole army basically gets to march there because these giant worms dig gigantic holes in a mountain that like opens a path for them to come through, right? These giant worms. You don't remember that scene where like the big worms like busting through the holes? I don't even know what you're talking about. Worms? Unless I'm confusing. I think you're. Con- I think you may, you're thinking about tremors. No, I don't think so. The only way they get into Helm's Deep is by the orc. No, I know. I'm talking about on the battlefield before like Helm's Deep. How the orcs all like start marching in there. Hmm. Maybe I'm drunk and I don't know what you're talking about. Into Helm's Deep or uh, surrounding Helm's Deep? Yeah, was when they're like starting to surround it. I think they just walk up to Helm's Deep. I don't think that they. I remember there being big ass worms, or maybe it's the Hobbit, and I'm just confusing them. Yeah, I don't remember worms in the in the two towers. <laughs> Might be in the Hobbit. Maybe you're talking about the Battle of Five Armies. I haven't seen that movie in forever. There's definitely no worms in the two towers. I feel like they ju- this army just walks up to Helm. Yeah, sorry, it is in the Hobbit. I just watched the Hobbit recently too. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Well, they had them in the Hobbit. They should have had them in the two times. <laughs> it, it, regardless, it is a really cool battle. It, it's the first time, I think, that it, from what I read, that they used a computer to generate thousands of soldiers, and they gave them all kind of individual, like, they could do pretty much whatever they needed to as long as they didn't go past that. And so you're ju- it's just a computer generating uh, tons of different fights. Um, but it, the battle itself is really cool. The the giant ladders that are coming up against the castle, like the fucking giant wolf thing that ends up smashing the the doors. Like there's a this is a really really cool battle. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and like I said before, the the sad bit of this is Haldir dying and Aragorn, you know, trying to get to him and save his life because it shows. For me, it showed that Aragorn was still he's he's. He's one a great guy, but he's still got a lot of loyalty to the people who essentially brought him up. He was brought up by elves. Um, and so I, I just thought that was a really cool moment, even though you don't really know Haldir that much from the movie side. You only see him a couple of times before that, but they were able to create kind of a special moment between those two. Um, and this is the first movie I think you see Aragorn and Legolas 
fight about strategy because right before how their shows up, they were arguing about what it's was not really the correct strategy. Legolas was just like, "We're gonna die," and he was like, "Well, then we'll die, bitch." <laughs> it wasn't like they had had differing battle plans. <laughs> Uh, Gimli gets tossed by Aragorn. I thought that was a really funny part of the mo- of the movie. Uh, John Rhys Davies, I only, of course, I only met him for like ten minutes. Super, super fucking nice guy. Um, he told the story of him buying a uh, a car. I can't remember what the car was, and he, just a small little thing about that one. We met him, and he's a really, really nice guy. Um, but he, him, his thing with Legolas through this movie and the next movie are some of the coolest and funniest parts of the whole movies. Like they're just re- they have really good chemistry together. Um, <clears throat> I think is why like we talked about in the Rings of Power why Elrond and Durin's relationship hits with me because it's similar to that. It's the there's a really cool distinction between these two races who generally don't get along with each other. Which doesn't make I mean yeah, that's all true. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more things to talk about but it's like there's not this is your middle. It's your. It's not a. It's not a finite. It's your middle kind of uh, area. So uh, uh, when all seems lost and the orcs have made their way into the fucking castle, um, Aragorn's like, "Let's just meet him outside. If we're gonna fucking die, let just ride out with me, King." And he realizes it's the fifth day. The sun's coming up, and Gandalf told them to look to look for me on the fifth day. So they ride out. In what was a pretty good strategy. I mean, the, they rode out onto this bridge that's really, really thin. Um, I mean, you're probably dodging arrows from each side, but the bridge itself, you're you're probably killing almost all of those because there's no way to strategize on the tiny little thin bridge. Um, and then Gandalf comes and saves the day with Amor, and they essentially destroy. They they get them to leave. Essentially, is how this happens. They come in and destroy the sun. Comes out, and so. I always thought that it was like Gandalf shining a light, but I f- on this rewatch, I felt like it was just the sun peeking. It was, yeah. And then fucking up the orcs. The sun just rises. Yeah. You rarely actually see Gandalf do magic of any kind <laughs> in any of these three movies. I always thought that was weird, too, that like Gandalf's like this badass wizard, and like he basically does like two magical things. <laughs> and but neither magic of which... Magic is the magic of convincing people to do shit they wouldn't normally do. Neither of which is very impressive, by the way, the magical things he does. So while this is happening and they win the fight at Helm's Deep, the Ents have decided that they're not going to get involved. Merry and Pippin convince them and trick them to leave them on the opposite side where they're really wanting him to see Isengard. And Isengard, essentially, all of the trees around Isengard have been destroyed and burned. And so that essentially is... uh, Here's another scene that makes very little sense, too, because... It takes the Ents like 80 years to walk anywhere, to say anything, to do anything. But when he gets all pissed, and he's like, mm, I should know better. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, we kick eyes in God's ass. All of a sudden, the Ents are all fast as fuck. They come out of nowhere. They're like, motherfucker, we were waiting for this. <laughs> like, Treebeard, essentially, like you said, he commands his whole tree army to destroy Isengard, and that's what happens. They fucking fuck Isengard up. Because it seems like they have to have like a month-long conversation to decide to do anything unless one of them's pissed. (laughs) Then they come (laughs) a-running. Then they come. Then they happen to have been there the whole time. The sad thing is that they never... They never find their happiness ends. They just... The the end wives are gone, and uh, they just turn into trees permanently at some point in their future. (laughs) 
Well, I, I, you wouldn't think it would be that hard to find them. So somebody asked Tolkien, like, what happened to the Entwives? And he, even he was like, I left it that way. I have no idea. <laughs> I just imagine, like, you could, you're kind of immortal. You could find them eventually. <laughs> like, tree wives. Where are you, tree wives? After the Battle of Helm's Deep, um, Theoden essentially is going to uh, Minas Tirith. Um, and like you said, uh, the steward... He's not a king. I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody knows the distinction, but the the line of kings is essentially gone, and the stewards are there, supposed to be holding up the fort until the king's return. Um, he's essentially like, nah, I'm the king, like kind of, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> he's also a jackass who can't eat correctly either. <laughs> it was pretty gross. <laughs> that scene is disgusting. <laughs> So that's where the third movie takes place, but actually the second movie, and yes, we're skipping a lot. We're not going to talk about everything. We'd be here for hours if we did, um, but the Helm's Deep is probably the biggest thing with Isengard falling as well. We're Like I said, we're missing a few things. Yes. It is what it is. Um, Some treants took out Isengard real fast. There was a lot of them. There was a lot of fucking trees coming at you. Yeah, a 50-foot tree coming at you would probably be pretty scary. It was like 20, 30. Well, it didn't seem like it was that many. <laughs> it seemed like there was a lot. That is a lot, but uh, it doesn't seem like more than that to me. <laughs> but Isengard has fallen. You don't know what happened to Saruman at this point, and Helm's Deep, the battle there, has been won, even though a few people have died. Yes. Um, and that's uh, essentially where the third one leaves you, or the second one, I mean, um, with Frodo and Sam still trying to get to uh, to get to uh, Mordor, to Khazad-dûm. No, not to Khazad-dûm, to uh, Mount Doom. Um, Khazad-dûm is in Conan, isn't it? No, Khazad-dûm is where the uh, dwarves live. I think it's also Conan. It could be. It could be. But Faramir le- lets them go towards the end of that movie, and uh, Gollum thinks that Merry and... Or not Merry, that Frodo and Sam betrayed him, and so you see him come back to his evil ways at the end of that movie. So that's where everybody's left. <laughs> you figure out that Aragorn is a Dunedain, that he's 80-something years old because he has fought with... Uh... Oh, shit, what is her name now? He, thought with, he fought with Theoden's father, though. His grandpa, yeah. I can't remember her name. I don't know. She's not significant. She's pretty significant. She kills a Nazgul in the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> with Eowyn. That's her name. Eowyn. I don't remember if that's why the Nazgul was supposed to. I don't know. We'll get to that. Ah. But I that's, thought that was stupid, though. It's cool. It's cool that you got to learn a little bit about everything. Um, Saruman learned that who Aragorn was. He didn't know that Gandalf was riding with him, but third movie ties everything up into a giant neat little bow and that's what we're going to talk about next uh remember to look out for our socials i'll be giving away a lot of stuff books dvds some cool shit uh until the return of the king i've been one i'm doyle we'll see you guys later bye Outside the long box. Make sure to join us on Facebook. 
Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a Baron Space production! <laughs>